Hello and welcome to the Sundry Podcast. I am your host, Demetria Alston, and I'm just glad that you guys are taking the time out to give me a listen. So remember to subscribe so that you can get updates for when new shows are dropping. Follow me on Instagram at the Sundry Podcast. Feel free to email me at the sundry podcast at gmail.com and follow me on Facebook as well, the sundry podcast. So, all right, let's get right into this episode for this week. I want to talk about Bridgerton. So, I talked about it, or I alluded to that I would be talking about it on one of the previous episodes, and I am just excited. So, I was like, let me go ahead, let's get this done now before. Everybody forgets about it. It's like, well, we talked about that like 18 months ago. So, you know, newsflash, this will be a spoiler alert. So if you have not seen it yet, one, you need to hop on it, go check it out, binge watch it, pause this and then come back and listen to it because otherwise you're going to get a lot of spoilers on this. So with that out of the way, okay, so Bridgerton is a um, Netflix series done by Shonda Rhimes, you know, wonderful collaboration. It was so popular and, you know, ratings were out the roof. There's going to be another series. So I cannot wait for the second series to come. And then side note, let me just say this. We really got to get out of this binge culture. Like every time something comes out, people all rush and like binge through the whole series. So it's like I stayed up I think I started like on a Friday night and by Sunday I was done. And then I was like, shoot, I just watched all those episodes and now I got to find the next thing to watch. Like I really need to just pace myself and watch one episode a week. Like I would have done if it had been on TV, I would have only been watching one episode a week. But, you know, I feel like in this culture of like we're in a binge culture now. So if something comes out, it's like, okay, you got to rush to to watch it all now. Otherwise, you know, there will be spoiler alerts and, you know, everybody will be talking about it. You can't just kind of pace yourself through it. So unless you're going to stay off social media. But OK, I digress. Let me get back to what the whole series is about. So, you know, had not heard about it until people were talking about it on Facebook. Um, so then I started watching it and then later found out that it is um, part of a book series called Bridgerton by, I think her name is Julia Quinn. And so the the setting and stuff of um, Bridgerton, it takes place in England. Um, these really wealthy families are basically going to, they're in the season of a lot of formal social events where their children will be matched for marriage. And so that's basically, you know, the premise behind the show. Um, Everybody is, you know, looking to get matched up because it's a part of their societal obligation. And um, it's a a real big to do to go to these fancy balls, get dressed up, um, have suitors come by, and then you pick, you know, a husband. And it's not so much for the ladies that they get to pick as much as the men get to pick who they want. And it's just kind of like, okay, I've been picked and this is my husband. You know, hard to believe that that kind of stuff happens, but yes, it does happen. So that's the premise behind it. And so the 
um, main characters, I guess you would say, are Daphne and Simon. So I had not seen the work of either of these two um, actors before. So I was unfamiliar with them. But let me just say, Simon, uh, the Duke of Hastings, very handsome. Um, I think, you know, as people have been talking, they were like, oh, he was in this or he was in that. I don't think really big shows, I don't think. But now I think he's going to probably, you know, skyrocket from here because he did a really good job in the show. The two of them together, the intensity between them every time that they're on screen was just crazy. And so now it makes sense because I've heard you know, some rumblings that the two of them were dating. And I was like, you know, I could believe it because it seems like it would be difficult to fake that kind of energy, but they could just be really good actors. And it's like, hey, this is what we do. This is why we get paid the big bucks. You know, not a big deal. But it was definitely a good show that they put on as far as, um, you know, every time they were together, it was really just palpable. So I don't know if it was the language that they were using. Um, Right now, one of the scenes that comes to mind is when they're at the art museum and they're looking at this picture and talking and their hands are beside each other and they're not touching, but like you could feel the energy and like their hands are kind of getting closer, you know, to each other, closer, closer. And it's like, if they touch, you just know they're going to just start kissing and, you know, but they don't. They get interrupted and, you know, you you could feel it like where it was like, oh, my gosh, they were just they were so close. Like you could feel the energy. So that was some really good acting. So I would say, you know, kudos to both of them. Simon, I think part of what made his character, um, you know, I guess just so good was because one, he was just so darn handsome and. Yeah, I mean, handsome, the the language that they spoke, you know, during that time, it's almost like when somebody speaks French or Italian, because those are like love languages. And it just puts you in, you know, some kind of way. That's how I was feeling, you know, watching it. So I just thought it was it was good. And it helps to have somebody who's very handsome playing you know, one of the two major love interests. So, you know, they did a good job. I don't know where they found him, but whoever was doing the casting did a good job with casting him. Okay, so lots of other little things I want to talk about and, um, you know, some things that I think kind of lead into other discussions. So we may save those for a different a different podcast. But today I want to finish kind of just going through some other things that kind of stood out in the show. So if you have not watched, like I said, you need to go ahead and pause right now because there are going to be several spoiler alerts in here. Go ahead and take you a couple hours and binge through all the episodes and then come back. And I've had some people say, you know what? I tried the first episode and I just was like, uh, I'm done. I think you got to give it a chance. Like it might be a little slow. I thought I thought it was still good. Like I don't remember feeling like, uh, what is this going to be about? I liked it, you know, from the first episode, but I think for some people who may not, you know, who might be looking for a little more action or whatever. I think you just got to give it a chance. Like continue to watch it. Okay. So, 
one of the other things that stood out was um so I'm just going to kind of randomly go through. So Cressida, she's one of the other um I don't know, Cressida's not she's not a princess or anything, but just one of the other girls in the in the um show. She sees Simon and Daphne in the garden and you know one of the things that I was trying to think about is one do we think we've seen the last of her because so she sees them in the garden so she said and I was always kind of like did she really see anything did she just see them walk in the garden or did she actually see because they kept going like deep into the garden so either she came out there to watch but she said she could see him from the balcony I don't know so we'll have to see how that plays out but when they go to the dress shop she tells her again like yeah you know I saw you but I'm wondering like well how much did you really see but anyway um Daphne was like well you know I'm about to be the wife of a dude and you want to be on my good side rather than my bad side so keep that in mind so she's like okay you know I, I got you my your secret is safe that's what she says then but I'm wondering do you think it's going to end just that that easily? Like, I feel like that's something that's going to be waiting to come back. Cressa's going to call in a favor. It just seems she seemed kind of sneaky, shady like that. So I don't think that's going to be the end of it. Because back then, your um, purity and, um, you know, the way you present yourself was definitely a reflection on your family. And so girls cannot be seen alone with... Um, you know, with men or, or males and definitely not, not, you know, in a garden where any type of impropriety could be even presumed. So that was the case with Cresta. She saw Daphne and Simon in the garden, you know, they ended up kissing and stuff. And so now that she's been, um, you know, kind of marked, she's not pure, then it's like, okay, Simon has no choice, but he's going to have to marry her now because he's made her, he's kind of like defiled her in a way. Okay. But my whole thing was, if nobody really knew, why were they making it such a big deal? Like, oh, now this has to happen. I'm like, if nobody's talking about it, then let's just go on with our lives. But, you know, it, it still had to happen. Um, the scene with, or a couple of scenes, but the brothel, I thought, oh, okay, this is this is different. So, you know, there's a brothel and one of the um, the Bridgerton brothers is, you know, all involved in that. And it's going to be interesting how that plays out because it's it's secretive. But the people in there obviously know the people who are in there and they're walking around town and like nobody's saying anything, you you know, kind of give each other a look, but nothing to draw any attention or anything like that. So I was like, okay, we'll see. I feel like that's going to end up coming back to bite somebody. Not sure yet just who, because there are some things that we know what happens in a brothel. So there's lots of things happening in the brothel with people who I think would have a lot to, to lose if it came out. So we'll have to see how that ends up playing out. Um, so then one of the other people that stood out was Marina. So Marina, she goes to stay with the family of someone who her father, like, um, they owed a favor or I think it might've been a debt or something. And to repay it, the daughter has, is, you know, coming to live with them. Now we end up finding out that she's pregnant. She is in love with her, um, 
I guess her boyfriend, but he goes off to war and she's left, you know, pregnant. He doesn't know and she's writing letters and he never writes back. And so the family that she's staying with, the Feathertons, they're like, well, you know, this is the season for getting, um, getting married and stuff. And so then they end up hatching a plan to try to get her married off. One of the things that I thought was just a little, I guess the only thing that I would say just kind of rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. She came on and she was like, you know, kind of quiet and coy. And then all of a sudden she turns very calculating. And I was like, this is not the same person that we were, you know, first introduced to. And she was one of the only, um, there weren't a lot of people of color in the series that had like major roles. Like there might've been a few blacks that were like at some of the social events. Like I'm thinking of one girl and a guy and they're just kind of like, you know, they're not even, you know, trying to pair up with each other. So they really made it seem like race was not a big issue. But for that one, but for Marina to be, um, you know, one of the, the only other um, people of color, people of color um, with a main role. And then I thought she was just portrayed in a way that was just kind of like, you know, could we have just had her in a, in a better light that, you know, that was my only thing. So, you know, that's that. All right. Queen Charlotte. So Queen Charlotte, which, you know, in history, Queen Charlotte of Charlotte, North Carolina was a black woman. And so, you know, they have her as a black woman in um, in this show as well. And she's married to the king and her husband is, um, I guess, like has dementia or they don't say specifically, but those are like the symptoms that he's, you know, portraying. So they don't show him for ever and ever. And then when they do, it's like she kind of gets like this spark of hope, like, oh, he's kind of like back to normal. And then he starts to ask, I think it was for one of their kids who had died. And when she's like, you know, tell him like, no, you know, we don't, kids not here. Then he's thinking that she did something with it because he doesn't remember. And then you kind of see where, you know, it's kind of like, she goes right back into now I have to be the strong, you know, queen to rule everything. And it's almost like he'd be better off just out of the picture. So uh, I'll be interested to see how they kind of, um, you know, play that. Because one of the other characters that they have been showing just bits and pieces of was um, Simon's dad. And so I wonder if in maybe in the next series, if we'll get a little bit more backstory. So what they've told us so far, Simon's mom, um, she dies, you know, after having him and he's left to be raised by his dad, but he is, um, trying to think what was happening first. I think he was just, he was stuttering. And so, because he couldn't speak right away, the dad was like, oh, you know, I can't have a duke who is, you know, less than perfect. So he basically was like the kid was dead to him. Um, talked down to him, everything. And so he didn't want to have anything to do with him. And so Simon, to get back at his dad, you know, so he goes and he's... um 
you know, goes to the best schools and, you know, overcomes his speech impediment, all this stuff. And when his dad is dying, he comes back and he tells his dad, you know, my vow to you is that I will never have um, an heir because I don't want this name to carry on because that was so important to his father. And once his father saw that, oh, he didn't turn out to be, you know, um, someone who was incompetent or dumb or, or not, you know, less than perfect, then he wanted him. And he was like, you know, basically it's too late now. So Simon vowed not to have kids. That's going to be one of the other big themes um, that's carrying out through at least through this first um, series. I don't know how it plays out in the book totally, but that's the important part in this first series. All right. So then Daphne, we've been talking about Daphne. She is um, who ends up with Simon. And so I was just mentioning about Simon vowing to his dad not to have any kids. Daphne, on the other hand, loves children, wants to have a family. And so once she and Simon decide that they are going to have to marry now to keep her her name, you know, clean and her family name, you know, in good standing. Simon tells her that he I'm trying to make sure how he words it. He tells her that he can't have kids. So she presumes that he means there's a physical ailment or some type of um you know, something physical deformity or something that is preventing him from being able to have kids. Not that it's just a choice that he's made because he's living up to this vow he made to his dad. So Simon, um, you know, continues with that, you know, charade of a story that he can't have kids. That's how he, you know, keep keeps putting it. And he didn't want to um, trap her in a marriage knowing that she really wanted kids but she was just like you know it'll be okay well I'll have nieces and nephews blah 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 all right so they get married so I'm gonna fast forward now to the they're gonna be uh, married and her mom Daphne's mom is like okay we need to have the talk about what to expect when you're married so i'm thinking she's about to have this birds and bees talk with her she tells her nothing like she said something like she gave this like metaphor of like you know it rains and then flowers bloom and that's what marriage is it was something very like silly like that and i was just like ma'am you didn't you didn't tell her anything and so of course, then she goes to her wedding night and, you know, doesn't really doesn't know what to expect. So she's thinking, OK, my husband and I are going to be together. But Simon, because he has said he's not going to have kids, has, you know, they go on the honeymoon. He has two separate rooms. So now she's upset. He's upset. And you can just feel the sexual tension just building. And so, you know, they're pacing back and forth in their separate rooms. They want each other. They want to talk to each other, but they kind of like it at the standoff. And so they go to the door. She goes to her door to go talk to him and he's outside the door. And so when they finally talk to each other, then they decide that they are going to, um, you know, they end up having sex. And so when they do, Simon 
Um, I want to make sure that I'm very PC with this. So Simon practices the withdrawal method. And so she thinks that that is then now normal. You know, he kind of talks her through like this might hurt, you know, kind of thing. But the whole scene just seems, you know, it's it's a very pleasant scene if that has to be, you know, how your first experience is, you know, no, no issues with that. But because her mom didn't tell her anything, she didn't really know what to expect. And so she doesn't think that there's anything wrong with that. She thinks that that is how um, sex is. So I'm trying to think what made her go talk to her maid. I think it was just because Maybe she thought maybe something's not quite right with how things are going. So she talks to her handmaid about, you know, what is sex supposed to be like? You know, like, tell me, like, really, what what should I be expecting? So the maid tells her and basically, while they we don't see the full exchange, the maid tells her that Simon should not be um, withdrawing when they're having sex. So now she is thinking that, okay, so Simon has been lying to me and she's upset. So one of the other kind of controversial things that has been on the internet was about this scene where they have sex after the maid has told her and Daphne all before you know, they would have sex. It was always missionary position. Simon would be on top and he would withdraw and everything would be fine. This time she turns over and she's on top and she does not let him withdraw. And he figures out what she's doing because he doesn't want to and he wants to stop, but she doesn't let him. And so now there's a chance that she could be pregnant. And so once they have their exchange and she knows that he was basically doing it because he didn't want to have children with her, she's they're now all upset with each other. And so he's like, well, we need to wait and find out, you know, if you're pregnant or not. And, and that'll determine how we move forward, you know, with this marriage. So... She, you know, goes through the house, she finds letters and she starts piecing together what was happening in Simon's childhood, why he was like this. Um, So then, you know, everything comes out and she, you know, realizes it's all because he made a vow to his father. And she's like, you know, you'd rather keep a vow to someone who has died, who's not even here, rather than have a family. And so... um. She does, in fact, end up getting pregnant and they decide to, you know, they're going to stay together and she has the baby. And that's how the first season ends. Um, so, like I said, it's, you know, I feel like I might have left out some some stuff, but it, it's a it's a good story. One of the things, though, that I um, that I also enjoyed was the location and the setting of the story. So everyone is living, you know, very um, opulent lifestyle as far as, you know, the palaces and, you know, this home and that home. And, you know, I think before I might have thought that's a bit 
a bit much, you know, a little over the top. But just this past year in September, it was my birthday and it was also our wedding anniversary because those are a week apart. I was like, you know, we had been quarantining for months and I was like, I really just want to get out of town, do something. I know we can't really travel. And so literally I looked at the CDC map to see where in the United States was a a low like COVID rate. And um, I was like, we'll just, we'll go there. Um, so looking at the map, the Northeastern area was looking pretty good. So I was like, hey, I've never been to Rhode Island. Let's go to Rhode Island. And I wanted to do something coastal because um, one, you know, I mentioned before about being a part-time vegan uh, pescatarian. I love seafood. Like me and seafood, we are one. I love it. So I was like, hey, let's go someplace coastal. We can get fresh seafood. You know, it'll be nice. We'll have, you know, a little beach. It'll be fun. So we went to Rhode Island for the weekend. And this was totally like, a, I mean, no big, you know, plan as far as like, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. It was literally, the number was low. It was something like 4%. Um, it might even been a little bit lower than that. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And it, cause it really didn't matter. We were just going to go, um, and, and, basically just you know spend time together i was like be in the hotel room go out to eat do some sightseeing maybe go to the mall or something it didn't have to be anything big i just really wanted to get out of columbus out of ohio so we didn't go in with any plans so once we got there oh i will take that back one of the things that i i thought about i was like oh you know um let's try to see if we can go to like Martha's Vineyard or something like ride the ferry or you know something like that turns out I think it was it was shut down um so we couldn't do that but we got there and that was pretty much like the extent of the plan like we didn't have a whole lot planned so we get there and we are literally staying I don't know if it's a if it was like a block. So there's a uh, an area called um, the Cliff Breakers, and um, it's a path. It puts you in the mindset if you think about those um, the stairs where people walk. I think in Los Angeles that you always see in movies and stuff, where it's always people up walking up and down the stairs. It was something like that. So it was like a popular tourist place, and we were staying, you know, right right across from the beach. Um, and so we walked, you know, walked there and did not know what it was. We just, you know, we saw people going. It's a trail. We're like, well, hey, we'll we'll walk the trail, read the little signs. And so we're walking, took some really nice, beautiful pictures, um, you know, along there. And while we're there, saw we, you know, we're getting um, while we were in town anyway, you know, getting brochures and stuff at the hotel. And we're like, oh, one of the Vanderbilt homes was there and it's called the Breakers. And so while we're walking along this this um, trail, didn't realize that we were walking like the backyard to um, this mansion. You know, we saw it, but didn't know what it was. So then, you know, we go back to the room and 
um, I'm trying to think, did we eat first? And then we were like, we're going to go and take the tour of the house. And so we drove to the house because after, you know, that walk and I was like, oh, we could walk to it, but you're going to be there walking the house. So I was like, I don't want to do that much walking. So I was like, let's just drive there. And that way we can do other stuff after. So we get there, pull up. House is ginormous. Um, I should have looked up the, the, the specs and stuff on this house to tell you like how many thousands of square feet this house was. But just, I mean, it, it was crazy how big this house was. So we're going through the tour and this was their summer home. So their, the main house was in New York and I think like something happened, it burned down or whatever, um, but it was built or modeled um, after they had gone to the um, palace in Versailles and, and saw that and so wanted to bring back, you know, elements of that. So even, you know, way back in the late 1700s, 1800s, when this house was built, I believe those were the, the right dates, they... um I mean, the rooms and things were were massive and ceiling with, you know, gold and just opulence everywhere. And um, the back of the house, the backyard, I know had to be like almost a football field. I mean, it was huge. And the Lanai area, like, you know, they you couldn't sit out on like some of the furniture because there's a lot of stuff was still period pieces, but you could walk, you know, walk through. And it was just a beautiful sight overlooking the water, listening to the waves. And so that's why it was called the breakers, because you could hear the waves like breaking against the cliffs and stuff. OK, so, you know, the house is huge. Everything about the house is huge that we saw. And then. They were like, oh, and the other floor that you could not go to had 40 rooms for the um, the servants. So I don't know why we couldn't see the servant quarters. Maybe they were too small and we would have, you know, it would have left a bad taste in people's mouths about how they might have been treated. I don't know. But we didn't get to see an, an additional 40 rooms that was in this mansion. So that was one thing. So that stood out to me when um, we were seeing some of the, you know, the the house and um, especially where Simon and Daphne were staying at, at his, you know, like little palace, because I was like, oh, yeah, that that makes sense that, you know, there's a home here and a and a home here. And the size of the homes were large and, you know, servants that lived at the house, you know, took care of it while you were at your other house and that sort of thing. So. That part to me, I was, you know, it just kind of clicked because I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. So that's my 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 spiel on Bridgerton. But something that I want to um, kind of expound on, and this might be in the next episode, if not, it'll be in a very soon episode, is the issue with Daphne and her mom and why her mom didn't tell her more about um, sex, especially when she made it seem like she was going to tell her, you know, she sat her down to have this talk and basically said nothing. And that got me to thinking, are there parents who have a talk about what sex will be like when you're married? And I'm, you know, I'm just curious about that because I can say for me, I did not get a talk like that. And I don't know if it's something that's cultural. Um, 
you know, does it matter maybe based on your religion, whether or not you have those sorts of talks? So I'm just really curious about, you know, is that is that a thing? Because you always hear talking about, you know, having to talk about the birds and the bees. And so maybe you give some sort of explanation, maybe when you're in high school or something. But is there something that happens right before you're going to be married? And do men have this same talk with their sons? And does that matter from race to race? Or do fathers have talks with their daughters about what to expect? And if you don't, and if you're a parent and you have kids and you don't or you haven't, how do you What's your um, premise on how they would would learn it or know what to expect? Maybe there are some people who have that talk. I don't know. But if you do, I would love to hear um, how you have that talk with your kids. Or if you are, um, uh, I don't want to say if you're a child, but if you are someone who is married, did your mom have a talk with you? I'm very curious to see if it matters you know, based on any kind of particular category, like, you know, race or religion or even socioeconomic status, like, you know, if you're upper class versus lower class, you know, yeah, that's something that you just normally do. You have that talk. Um, and the and something else, too, that was that stood out in the show or in this particular series in the first series. So when Marina comes and she's pregnant, and she's staying with the Feathertons, then they are now, those daughters are all like, oh my gosh, like, it's almost like if we touch her or talk to her, are we going to end up pregnant? And how does it happen? And then Marina doesn't even give them any details. She's just kind of like when two people love each other kind of thing. And I'm like, granted, I'm not expecting them to go into any big details, but I'm just wondering did no one have a cousin or a friend, you know, somebody who would be like, girl, let me tell you, this is what happens. It was really like they were going around, you know, kind of talking, but nobody knew exactly how people were getting pregnant. It was just kind of like, you know, this big secret kind of hush hush. And I thought it was just strange that they didn't have a friend or somebody who would be like, let me give you the lowdown on what's really going on. Obviously, now, Daphne got that because she talked to her her hand servant, her maid who told her what to expect. So we know it's there. But I just thought that that was kind of ironic that even during that period, there wasn't some, you know, obviously Marina. I don't want to say fast, you know, but that's what we called it because she's pregnant. So she knew what was up, what was happening, but she still didn't tell um, the other girls about what it was like or what happened to her. So just something to think about. So like I said, I want to kind of delve in that. So maybe I'll post that question on social media and see what kind of feedback I'll get from that. But that's it. I just wanted to kind of get this out of my system because I was like, I loved it. I really did. I loved Bridgerton. I thought it was great. I don't know if I'll read the books. Um, We'll see. I may, you know, listen to them to see if it's consistent with um how it's being portrayed. One of the big things is that I've seen at least on the internet was that um, I didn't talk about this, but there's a person who 
is basically being like the shade room. You know, they are putting out this um, gossip paper like every week or so with all of the details about what's happening in everybody's lives and nobody seems to fit to know who it is. And so they have some idea that the person must be somebody who's in the know, who is able to go to all of these events to be able to report back. But the way that it's happening so fast to turn around on it, they don't know who it is. And so it's revealed, I think it was on the last um, episode, who Lady Whistledown was. So again, spoiler, one of the Featherton sisters and um, Penelope and the way that um, it was portrayed on the show, people have been saying that it wasn't done that way in the book and that the book, it was it was done better. So I'm like, okay. so I don't know at this point if I like really care you know, what's how the book is doing it or if it's going to be different because I don't think things have to be exactly by the book. I think you can take, you know, creative license to do what you want for the sake of, you know, TV and making it, you know, look good and that kind of thing. So it it is not going to be that big of a deal to me. If anything, I'll read it just to kind of get an idea on what will be happening, you know, next, like what stuff is going to be coming up. So... That's it. That's all I got for you today. So hopefully you will tune in. Like I said, make sure that you like and subscribe across all social media platforms, the Sundry Podcast. And until then, I will see you next time. Bye.